Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where BJ is back once again. I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, Yay! BJ. I'm here. Woo! Yay! You're here. You're back. I'm glad that we have kind of a semi-normal episode this week. Uh, we are talking about a couple games that came out that we've been playing because we kind of had a week off in there. Um, so we're talking about Ghost of yeah. Tsushima. Tsushima. Oh, man. I'm going to mess up the pronunciation of that a bunch today. Um, and Paper Mario, the Origami King. Right. And uh, it's weird that these were both major games that came out and that each of us only played one of them. Yeah. That it was like the the, we're just like we're playing these things in concert, but at the same time, completely in isolation of one another. Yeah. So you've been playing Paper Mario. I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima. And I I think we're both liking them to a certain extent. But I know that I have a lot of thoughts about Ghost of Tsushima. So we should probably start with Paper Mario. Well, Paper Mario is one of those games that I have loved since it came out on the 64. Like, I remember getting it, I remember loving it, and and just playing a ton of the game. But it never really was one of those things that I followed a lot. Like, the next one I played was the Wii version, the Super Paper Mario, where it was a side-scroller, and then you could uh, turn it. 3d and like see what was behind the 2d world and it like just kind of flipped uh 90 degrees and it was it was awesome i love the game and so when i saw paper mario the origami king announced i got super excited because this one looked fantastic um and so i got really uh really 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 happy about it i was waiting on it i ended up getting it on uh, release day i did the whole target pickup because nothing would deliver it on time and I um, kept following it online, though. Have you seen all of the absurd uh, hate that went in on Paper Mario? Um, a little bit. I think it's more that series just gets a lot of hate because everybody wants it to be like the thousand year door and it never is. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's weird to me. It's odd to me that people are wanting it to be like Thousand Year Door, which I don't doubt and I don't blame them for uh, based on everything. I haven't played it, but that I've heard uh, based on everything I've heard. I mean, but it's one of those things where it's like after, you know, five or six games that haven't been like that. That's what the series is. When there are seven games and the last five, I don't even remember how many there are, but the last five have been different. That's probably what the series is now. And so I I got this one with an open mind because I've not played any of those. And I liked one of them that was completely different. Uh, so I just went in and dug in on it. And I really, really, really like this game, but I'm not sure if I'll ever finish it. Okay. It's, so what parts of it do you like then? So it is gorgeous like playing this game is absolutely beautiful they have have knocked themselves out on the switch on this one like it is it is stylized and pretty and it's like yoshi's crafted world but with like just such a different aesthetic like it has texture it feels like you're in one of these craft worlds right and they've done everything with it like they really did uh as my wife put it well they went all in on the whole paper thing didn't they and she's right they did the water and everything is uh moving pieces of uh of construction paper over uh longer pieces uh like bigger pieces of construction paper that are slightly different colored like it it's it's super weird and cool but uh and so it's fun to explore like the game is set up in terms of the world it feels a lot like the first paper mario where you have individual 
areas where it almost feels like a Pokemon uh, game like that, where you have this part of this area that you can explore, and then you go through a gate, and it's this route that you can explore this part, and there are specific uh, goals and collection stuff that you can do within that area, but instead of having one giant open world like Breath of the Wild, kind of like that, but... There's stuff to be found and uh, explored in every every one of these individual little mini zone kind of things, and I love doing it. Like finding all of the toads that you can do, because like apparently when the Origami King and made everything came and made every, everything explode, like all of the toads in the Toad Kingdom got knocked everywhere. Have you seen anything about the people finding all the toads in weird places? Yeah, I have heard a little bit about that. It's supposed to be really fun. It's the best part of the game. Like, hands down, finding all of these toads, like, you might walk over a flower and a toad will pop out that was turned into a honeybee or something. Like, you might have, like, hit a tree to get confetti out of it or uh, something, and a toad that was turned into a leaf by the Origami King will come out because they're made of paper. They're flat. They're 2D. Um, I have found them, like, stuck in the ground where you have to like pull them up and then like they're afraid that you're going to tear their legs off so you have to move into a different position and like hit something and then start pulling them like it's just really interesting because they take really good advantage of the 2d characters in a 3d world and they make them all have jokes like every single toad has a different joke that it tells based on on how you found it and what's going on with it so that's the most interesting part about it like and they may not even have anything contextually to do necessarily with like what you found them doing like one of them i found in a tent and uh you open up the tent and you see a folded up like a wadded up toad so you hit it with your hammer to uh to flatten it out and he's like oh thank you mario there's uh there was no bathroom in there i really appreciate that and you know because he was at sealed inside a tent and then you talk to him again and he's like doesn't look like look like there's a bathroom out here either (laughs) and because there's not a bathroom around there anywhere and it's like stuff like that that really makes me happy in the game and so you collect that you get uh different you get confetti in the game it's basically like you just wander around you hit anything confetti falls and it it it, like you absorb it like experience or anything like that okay. and you throw you throw confetti to fill in holes that have been ripped in the paper world so you can see like the underlying wireframe under everything and you're like oh here's a giant hole so you throw confetti at it and it seals it up and then you get coins from that and it's really cool. I like filling these holes. It's like you go around, it's like you throw confetti up in the air. It's like, yay! And then you fill everything in and you get rewarded for it. And sometimes it's a big hole. Sometimes it's a little one. Sometimes there's no reason to do it other than the coins and for the uh, completion. And sometimes it moves you into the next area of the game and you may not even realize that. So there's a lot of stuff like that going on. And... Then there is the combat in the game, which was super divisive when it was first announced. Like you're on this ring and like it takes you out of the game world of the actual running around game world and puts you in a new game space where all of the enemies are on different levels of these concentric rings and that you have they have to be spun to be lined up. You've seen I know you've seen that. Yeah, I have. Have you and you don't have this game at all. You haven't played it yet, have you? I own it and I have not started it because I've been playing so much of Ghost of Tsushima. Okay, that's what I thought. I thought that was where you were still at. So you haven't actually done this combat yet. 
No, I've watched a couple things about it, and I, it seems like it's one of the more divisive parts of the game. Mm-hmm. It is, and it's weird because the combat itself is great. Like, I like the combat. I like having the rings and the puzzle, and you get a bonus if you solve the puzzle, like putting them, in, lining them up in the rows so that your different weapons that have different uh, shapes of their attack, like if you line everything up perfectly, you get uh, attack bonuses and do more damage, and so you get out of combat faster. It's 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 very rewarding in that sense. Like, you, you really feel like, oh, I solved something. But you don't get experience you end up getting coins instead of experience. Okay, so this is the same problem. I know you haven't played the more recent, like, Paper Mario games until this one. Right. But this is the exact same problem from the last few, because I have played them. And the combat is different, but the issue is it makes it so that combat doesn't matter because there's no experience. Right. And that's that's the the issue here? here. It's kind of the issue here. So they've tried to rectify that from what I understand in that even though there's no even though there's no experience you still get coins. And these coins are used to buy different weapons uh, because sometimes weapons will break. And so you have to have kind of backup weapons uh, to hit different kinds of enemies. Um, You can buy different accessories, which is basically equipment that you can do to have a certain number of those equipped at any given time to have different bonuses. Um, And you use coins to buy those. Uh, They buy you items that you can use in games like fire flowers and things like that. Probably pretty standard uh, Paper Mario stuff even through the ones that aren't like rpgs so i was like great you get coins this is going to be the same thing as as experience no big deal you know it's just trading one token for another one and calling it something different the problem is that they give you so many coins in the overworld that you have no need to get them from combat that it's a recursive system that uh, that really has no reason to be recursive because once you buy all of your equipment, once you get the items and you're stocked up on what you need, you're still going to have tens of thousands of coins. And those are used to make combat easier. Like you can pay the toads to cheer you on and they will solve part of the puzzle for you or heal you or uh, attack an enemy at random, stuff like that. And while that's a really good thing, it becomes where you are doing combat so that you can get more coins to make combat easier so you don't have to do combat as much. And it's it's a really bad recursive system and it would be so much better if they just didn't give you as many coins in the world like that would solve every bit of it and it would make combat feel meaningful because you would then have enough coins like there would be a need to get coins you would need to go get your accessories and items and it would feel like a real decision whether or not you were going to have the toads help you in combat because there would be a limited supply of these coins but as it stands you can just throw hundreds and hundreds of them at the toads uh, beat it and get a good 80% of them back and then like hit a tree and fill in a hole and you've got way more coins than you gave up in that one battle like it's yeah so it's just resource flooding i see why 
there's hate for it then because this is the same problem they had before. So is it- Sticker Star is a really clean example of this. You would, in the overworld, you'd explore and it was fun and it was interesting and like the world is well done and stylized and all the things you've been saying, right? Like it's fun in the way that Paper yes. Mario is fun. Um, and by exploring the world and hitting stuff with your hammer and finding hidden places, um, you get stickers. And so these stickers are what you actually use in combat for your combat moves. So you would get into combat, you would use these stickers, you'd defeat the enemies, and then your reward would be stickers. But the stickers would be like, you would get less of them than you did in the overworld. So you were actually disincentivized to get into combat ever. It was better if you could skip all combat and just collect the overworld stickers and then like like dodge around the enemies and just try to get through a level without touching them. It sounds like that might be the case here too. Like if you could just explore yeah. the overworld and avoid combat, are you better off? Yes. And there is no discernible reason for the combat other than lengthening the game. Like, don't That's get me wrong. The combat is fun. Like whenever I'm in the mood to do a fight and I see one, I'll run up to an enemy and hit it with the hammer because I want to play that fight. I have fun doing it. But when there are a lot of them in an area where it's back to back and I or I miss like miss my uh like jump or or avoiding it I'm like man i gotta fight again and that's not the way a game should be you shouldn't be trying to actively avoid one of the main systems yep but with that said the boss fights are worth playing it for they are like a weird like concentric ring shifting around puzzle board game that are all different and super fun Okay. That if if you when you play this, I want you to at least if you I know you're gonna you're listening to this and being like I don't think I'm gonna like playing this game. Yeah, I want you to at least. Now. I want you to get to the first boss because I've beaten a few of them and they're all fun and great, and it makes me want to get to the next boss fight because everything except the main like the main uh, combat in the game uh, is really, really good. And the boss fight combat is a lot of fun because you have to, uh, you're standing now on the, instead of standing at the center of the combat where you are like attacking the enemies that surround you on these rings, the boss is standing in the center of the rings. You're on the outside and you can only move to the boss to hit it using these arrows that you have to line up to get to different weak points on the boss's body. Um, and there will be uh, uh, obstacles and things like that in the way that the boss might have a, an ability to knock some of the clear, some of the spaces where if you didn't pay attention, like, all of a sudden you just wasted your turn or uh, like it's a fun puzzle game because you have to actually think about the boss's abilities, how you're setting up the rings, what items and abilities and things like that, that you're turning on, on the playing field and what part of the boss you're actually going to hit with what kind of weapon. Like it's really fun and I love playing those bosses. And so that, because I like the toads and exploration, the collection of everything like that and the boss fight so much, I'm still playing the game. It's just, I'm playing it less and less than I was because the combat itself disincentivizes me from playing because of the areas that I was in just having so much combat. I felt like it was uh, just a waste of my time. 
Yeah, okay. That, so that's why I haven't beat the last like two or three Paper Mario games that I've played. I liked them right. to a point, and then I slowly played less and less until eventually I never went back to it. And it's for the exact reasons you're describing. Yes, that is how I feel. That's why I said that I think that this is going to be a game that I really, really enjoy, but that I really, really like, but I don't think I may ever finish it because I'm, as I keep moving forward, there's more things that I find that I like. These zones are really cool. They're pretty. I like seeing it. Even the story is engaging enough. It's not like an RPG story, really. Like it's an RPG story, but it's not a, it's not a narrative, you know, um, and it is, uh, it's interesting enough, okay. but this, but it's, uh, it's just there as a base for what it is. Like, uh, the origami King is evil. He has stolen toad ta- or, uh, princess peach's castle, wrapped it in streamers and put it on top of a mountain. You have the, uh, I can't even remember why you have the origami King's, uh, sister as your little sprite follower thing, uh, who's made out of origami. And it is, um, you know, you're going around trying to stop her evil brother who tried, who has turned everybody who was paper into origami evil creatures. Like, that's it. Like, it's not a deep narrative. You don't expect a very deep narrative, but I expected more than that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to see what's at the end of these streamers. And I just go on, explore, and it, it's fun and happy and, uh, and goofy and silly. And uh, eventually I will get tired of having to fight for no reason. Like, that's really how I think the game is going to end for me. I'm going to get to, I think there are seven or eight different worlds. And uh, I think I'll probably end up getting to five before I'm like, yeah, I'm good for right now. And then probably go back and try to finish it up years from now. Interesting. So I'm guessing that based on knowing myself, I will probably play a little bit of this game and then put it down because I've had this exact arc that you're talking about with paper mario i've had that in other games in the series before so right but i do want to try it because there's enough there that's interesting so and it like i said it's worth playing that's the weird thing is i I don't and here's the weird thing right i don't feel as though i wasted my 60 dollars and you know how weird i am about that with launch games and i mean this was the first topic on our podcast was this kind of subjective value in gaming yep and you know what is a 60 dollar game versus you know is this a 20 dollar game and i see paper mario as a 60 dollar game and i'm fine with that that i bought it on day one i got fun out of it i'm still having fun with it and i will have more fun in it but like ghost of tsushima is arguably a better game in most ways it's a completely different kind of game there you know it's apples and oranges but if you're looking at them side to side in just terms of this this kind of uh, ephemeral quality of game ghost of tsushima is probably a better game right yes i will probably pay 20 bucks for it at some point I feel like right now, if I were to pay $60 for a brand new copy of Ghost of Tsushima, I would be disappointed for the amount of time I would put in it and uh, end up not uh, finishing it and feeling like I wasted my money based on everything I know about this game already, despite all of the fun stuff that you're about to tell us about. All right. That's fair. But but yeah, I mean, I like Paper Mario. That may have sounded like me uh, like dogging on it, but it was it's a really good game. And if you can get past the combat part of it, like get past that the combat doesn't have a real incentive behind it, you'll be fine because the rest of the game is really cool. It's just that the, there's too much combat, at least for the parts that I've played so far, uh, to get through it. 
And it also, it's weird that the water, like there's actual water effects in certain parts of it that actually has like 3D normal water. And it's really cool. And it's like, I saw a tweet. It was like, why does Paper Mario have the best water effects on the Switch? Because it does. It's it's funny. And then it turns into a cardboard, like cardboard and uh, construction paper. <laughs> okay. Well, that seems like a very fair assessment of the game. Um now I, I will try it. I will try it soon. Mm. I'll report back to you. But I think I'm going to land in a similar place that you did. Yep. I just want to know what you think about the boss fights. Like, that's my thing for you is make sure you get to the first boss at least before uh, getting knowing going in, knowing that the combat is like this. I want to know what you think about the boss fight system, because it really does keep me pushing because I'm like, oh, I like this. I just wish there was more of that style of battle. All right. I could probably do that. That sounds good. Um, cool. Before we get to Ghost of Tsushima. Um, don't forget, we're part of a network. Actually, technically, BJ likes to remind me that it's technically a collective and not a network, <laughs> but it's a lot easier to just say network because people don't know what a collective is. But anyway, we're part of some kind of network collective where we have podcasts, <laughs> we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog, all that and more at geek2geekmedia.com, or you can go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe. And it looks like we're probably pivoting the the Patreon a little bit, right? Yeah, just a little bit. We're working on this right now where nothing will really change for y'all who are supporting us on Patreon. We are working to pivot this so that it is less about this particular podcast and just me and Void and more about more creators and more exclusive content. Like that's what we're trying to pivot to. So we've moved our podcast host to Anchor so that we have these dynamic ads that you've probably heard at the beginning of a show for the last little bit and that helps us cover the the cost of the show where we can then take the patreon and put that money directly back into creators to start working toward having uh, the geekery blog and uh, different parts of the website and the patreon itself have more exclusive content for y'all um i'm trying to put together kind of a uh business plan i guess a content calendar to figure out how to do this but uh, for those of y'all who are already patreon supporters thank you so so much there's going to be a lot more content coming your way uh soon and uh well soon ish let me say as i try to figure out how to do this um and then uh, those of you who haven't done that yet go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast and uh check it out and know that within the next month or so there's going to be a lot more ex exclusive content for you uh, that we used to that money to pay those content creators because I think that's really important to uh, ha when people are creating something that they get paid for the skill and that's this is one of those ways that we figured out how to do this uh, so that we don't uh, you know I don't want to ever take advantage of someone's time and I think this is a good way for y'all to get value out of it and to be able to have the creators uh, get more out of it too. Yeah, I would say it's not it's so much a business plan as a content plan because content we want plan, to make right. more content and reach out to more people so that we can connect and have a bigger community because like that's that was kind of the goal at the beginning was to build a community. So all of this goes back towards that, but we'll have more on that soon. Um, with that being said, Ghost of Tsushima, uh, I don't think we're going to do Geekery this week because we both had kind of longer reviews here, but I have been playing this game. I mean, this would be my Geekery anyway. I'm probably uh 40 50 hours into this game something like that and okay. i feel like in terms of the story i'm only about halfway through 
And oh, I'm wow. okay with that because I think if I went crit path and just did the story, I would be where I am right now in the story in like five hours, six hours. Like I've spent all of my time, not all, I've spent almost all of my time with this game just wandering the open world because I love it so much in this game. And wow, it is it's an open world game right it's one of those map games that we talk about that you open up the map and oh my gosh there's like a bajillion things to do and sometimes i open the map and i see that in a game and i just go nope and i shut it off and i never go back because i don't want to do it this game i did that and i was like oh there's so many unexplored places and i can't wait to get to them and then as i find them i feel accomplished as i like discover them and do those objectives and i don't know i'm just having such good time with it and I usually get overwhelmed by games like that. The Assassin's Creed type map game where there are so many different parts of the map to unlock. The only game that I can think of that, well, two games that I can think of that didn't completely overwhelm me were Breath of the Wild and Skyrim. Because Skyrim, I treated like you're treating this, of just going around, doing every last little thing, getting sidetracked, just finding a place. Like, I'm going to get there and and just exploring it. So I know that feeling that you have on this one, and that's awesome. Yeah, I would say that this is, I don't know if it's close to an Assassin's Creed, but it it's similar to Assassin's Creed. It's also taking some cues from Breath of the Wild, you can tell, but really this is one of those games where, you know, every few years we get a game that comes out and it does like a little bit of everything that's been in mainstream game design. And it's just no one aspect of it is new. Like any right. individual piece, if you look at it, you're like, yeah, this is an iteration on X or Y or Z. Um, but if you take it and you put it all together in the right package and then you just polish it to hell, like that is what this game is. It is it is everything right. that AAA games have been built up to be this generation of consoles, but perfectly polished and amazingly executed. This is that game. Like, you know, I don't know what the last one would have been, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. I do. I absolutely do. Like it's uh, like you've talked about before, and I don't remember if it was on the podcast or, or just you and me, that kind of end of generation game that shows off everything they've learned. Yes. Where that is what this game is. It's not pushing any boundaries. It's not doing anything that we haven't seen before. It's just doing it absurdly well. Yeah, absurdly well. And I mean, it is one of the most beautiful games that I've seen like this console generation um it's graphically gorgeous because of the art direction and also somehow the loading times are basically non-existent and i'm on like a base level launch day ps4 and the loading times are so fast i can't even read the tooltip before i've loaded into this game oh wow yeah it's ridiculous but the setting is what makes this game because i guess i didn't even say up front because i was just so excited to dive into it but this is a samurai game um it's sent, right. set in ancient japan for whatever you know your value of ancient is but it's it's during like the mongol invasion um and it's it's basically like a samurai movie as a video game that's what you're Mm -hmm. getting in for if you play ghost of tsushima and it's this beautiful setting where you will it's like a samurai movie in video game form but 
it's cinematic in an interesting way because a lot of the time people say, oh, this game is cinematic. And they're talking about something like Metal Gear Solid or something like The Last of Us where they say cinematic because they play through a gameplay section and then they hit a cutscene, and the cutscene is basically a movie where it takes control right. away from you. But like you get this hyper detailed like, oh, I'm like watching a movie. It feels cinematic, right? Ghost of Tsushima is cinematic in a way where I'm playing the game and some suddenly like i'll just have a visual that i stumble on just by playing that like i literally stop what i'm doing and i just look at it and i don't do that in games like that's not something that i ever spend my time doing and i'm doing that all the time in this because i'm just like wow like the contrast the color the way they use it all of the setting like you will accidentally frame up some of the most amazing screenshots in video games that you've ever seen just by wandering around the world without doing any extra effort on your part and the cutscenes that they do have that feel cinematic are like minor it's like if you get into a standoff or a duel or something there's this little intro cutscene, and it always feels epic every time it happens um but it's only like 10 seconds right it's not like this 10 or 15 or 20 minute cutscene like some of these other quote-unquote cinematic games have where they take it away from you it's mm-hmm. really just scene setting and then you're back into the gameplay and that's the way I think these games should be for the most part, uh, because it makes you feel like you're a lot more a part of that world than a bystander or just a viewer. And I mean, this one, like you're talking about the visuals, you were talking to me about how you use the photo mode in this one and that you don't do that. Like there are like filters on photo mode and everything from what I gather. Like I've seen people post uh, screenshots that are uh, like with blur and uh, different kinds of uh, like color adjustment. Like, do you do a lot of stuff like that when you're playing because it is so pretty? So I will say that I have taken more screenshots in the last week on my PlayStation 4 than I have in the entire rest of the time that I've owned the console. That's like, that's insane. It's so good. And the thing is, like, it's not just the screenshots, right? It's like you are playing in the world and you're just running into this stuff and it's just gorgeous. And I, I don't know. I love it. I just love it so much. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff that's really cool in the game that like... Uh, there's the katana like everything with the katana feels i mean it's a video game so it doesn't feel real but (laughs) it feels like they didn't go video gamey with it where you're hacking and slashing back and forth on guys it's like the you know if you try to hit someone they're either going to defend and like block it or if you get one or two good hits on them they are dead because it's a sharp samurai sword and that's the way these things actually work you know um, there's something about that that feels authentic. It rings true, even if, like, I don't know. I've never stabbed someone with a samurai sword. I don't want to do that. But just <laughs> as a video game player, it like it rings true that like a samurai sword would kill somebody super fast. You know? Yeah. And I saw some some of the combat. I can't remember who it was that posted the video of it, but it was just the combat walking up into an area for a fight and killing somebody in like one or two hits. Like that. It was just this ordinary like combat and i was just like that's not what i expected out of that like but it it made sense it looked like a samurai movie the way the camera was uh was set and everything and then you know they unsheathed their sword they they sliced a couple of times and then they moved forward and it was like yeah that's what would happen like that's how that worked where it's not like uh playing 
a Disney Infinity Star Wars game where you have to beat someone with a lightsaber uh, for 30 seconds before they uh, they take any damage. It's like, nah, that, that's a one and done kind of thing. The, that's, yeah. that's a samurai sword. Well, and that's the kind of feeling it has the whole time in the open world, which is probably a good place to mention that, like, the first hour of this game is not actually representative of the game. The game is, like, the open world samurai wandering that you're doing. Uh, Mm -hmm. The first hour is really, like, onboarding for the story and the mechanics and stuff. So if you do start it up, make sure you play, like, two hours before you really try to do any impressions of it or be tempted to step away. Because that first hour is really on rails, um, and most of the game isn't that way. But... You know, there are other cinematic things like that. So the duels that I mentioned, right, you actually will like it's interesting because they use the exact same combat engine, um, but they will like stop and you will have like a moment where you're squaring off with the other person and you're both just like positioning and posturing and like mentally getting ready. And every duel happens somewhere that's like a beautiful setting that you have some time to like take in as the characters are preparing for the duel, which I just I love it. And then you actually get into the duel and it's the exact same battle mechanics that you've had the entire game, but it just feels epic because they've surrounded it by all of that. Mm, okay. It works. It like it somehow it works. Um, but then the other thing that's really cool that feels samurai are these standoffs and a standoff happens. If you're approaching a group of enemies, sometimes it happens in a mission. Um, often it happens just in the open world or if you're coming up on an enemy camp or something, you have this option that says standoff and it's always optional. You don't have to do it if you don't like it, but um, you kind of, one of the the selling points of this game is you can approach the combat or the battle situations in like two primary ways. There's a lot of other things around it, but you can go stealthy and you can try to just like stay unseen, unheard, right? And like take out the camp or take out the group of enemies or whatever. Or you can go loud and just approach them as a samurai. And so part of the tension in the game and in the story is like, are you doing the honorable thing and facing your enemies head on? Or are you doing the dishonorable thing and like stealth killing a bunch of people, essentially? Right. Um, and the game never punishes you for one or the other. But there are characters in the game, in the main story, that have definite opinions about both of those things and it makes for interesting storytelling okay good because that was what i was about to ask was that it sounds like there could be a i don't want to say a light and dark uh like meter on this but there could be definitely be a way that there would be consequences narratively for that and so i'm glad to hear that uh that the choice you make does affect different parts of the game whether or not there is a rating that you get for being uh, dishonorable and stealthy Yeah, there's not like a rating, like a dark side, light side meter, but you can tell when you're talking to like the main character's uncle, like he expects you to be a samurai and be honorable and face your enemies head on like they see you, right? And you acknowledge it before you fight. And there's another main character that's your ally that's a thief. And she's like, why does it matter? Like we have to survive and live. Nothing else matters. And so you get different aspects of it from the characters that you're interacting with. Um... And so one of your options, if you're approaching as a samurai, which means you can do them both and flip between them just on the fly. It's not actually a mode you have to go into. You know, it's just all about what you're doing in the game. But if you're approaching a group of enemies and they haven't actually detected you yet, um, you'll usually get the option where you can just hit up on the D-pad and go into a standoff. And the way a standoff works is that it cuts to like a cinematic camera mode and you have to hold the triangle button or whatever on... Wait, it's not on another system. It's PlayStation exclusive. Yes, so you're holding the triangle button. um, And you will square off with one other guy in the group of enemies and 
what you have to do is you have to wait for them to make the first move, but then you have to release triangle before they've managed to hit you. So hmm. it's like a test of just reaction time skill. And as you get to harder and harder enemies, they'll do things like trying to fake you out, you know, where they'll like oh. flinch or they'll like half jump towards you without actually attacking you. Um, so it gets harder as you get to more difficult enemies. But if you manage to do it, one, it looks sweet. And two, what you can do as you like level up your skill tree is you get the ability to stay in that mode and take out other guys rapid fire after that first one. So okay. you'll do this like samurai swipe that instantly kills the enemy, no matter like how strong they were. Um, and then the next guy will run up and you just it's not another standoff where you have to like stop and wait again. It's just like you're in combat mode. But if you time it right, you'll get like two or three instant kills in a row. And it just feels really good. Okay. See, that sounds really neat. Like that almost ends weird because I keep thinking of this one a lot like Sekiro, uh, Shadows Die Twice. And I know it's not like that, but for some reason I keep expecting the combat to uh, resemble that and be Souls-like, but it's not at all. Like when I see videos or something, I'm expecting this long drawn out uh, parry fest and it's absolutely not. No, I mean, you can parry, you can dodge, but it is not Souls combat. It is, it's like Assassin's Creed action combat. Like, not right. the recent Assassin's Creed RPG games, but, like, the action ones that I know I've talked about to death on this podcast before. That's kind of, like, the fighting that you're getting into if you sign up for this game. So there are standoffs like that. And then once you get into combat, it has the idea of stances. So you unlock stances um, as you level up and as you, like, you know go up your skill tree and you end up with four stances that are mapped to the face buttons so you can hold r2 and hit one of the four face buttons to change your stance Uh. and each of them is strong against a certain enemy type so at this point in the game where i am the way it feels is like i am constantly switching stances in the middle of battle because i want to do what's the most effective against a guy and if i do i can kill them in like one or two hits because if you're Mm. not in the right stance they'll block more they'll take longer to like get through their parry and that kind of thing um but if you're on top of it if you're paying attention to like i'm attacking this guy but i want to go get him next so as soon as i kill this one guy i'm going to switch my stance to be good against the shield guy and i'm going to attack the shield guy um you can flow in combat in this way that just feels amazing that sounds really really cool like for an action game i would much prefer that than souls like combat oh like yeah, whenever this was whenever this game was being announced and talked about i really did think that it was going to be more souls like than assassin's creed that i thought it was going to be this uh this super hardcore uh narrative based souls like and i was like mm, i don't care about that like i care more about it being this kind of action game even though it's not something like i would rush out the door yeah and it's it's not souls like it's not that kind of combat you know it's also not hack and slashy because you actually do have to think about what stance am i in what ability am i going to use i got to make sure like i attack not in that methodical souls way but just like putting a little bit more thought into it instead of just spamming a button over and over like it strikes a really good balance that i'm just i'm enjoying every combat encounter i get into and like i said i'm probably 50 or 60 hours into this game um, I am amazed. I'm actually amazed you're not further into the game than that. Like I'm hours drawing it out. Like I'm just drawing it out because I love it. So I unlocked like you start in the first like third of the island. And I got to the point where it was obvious that when I did the next main mission, it was going to open up the second third of the island. And I went, uh, not yet. And I went and I did literally everything that I could do 
until I had nothing left to do. And then I was like, okay, oh, man. now I'll move forward. And that's where I am right now on the second third of the island. Like, I'm just waiting because I want to do all the other things first. And then I'll kind of like, okay, time to get back to the story. Huh. Like that's that's an interesting way to do it. Like I don't I don't play open world games that often and I very never finish them at a hundred percent. So it's interesting to hear you be so into something that you don't want to play the game. I mean, I do want to play it though. I am playing. I know what it. you mean, but Just, but but not move it forward to unlock as much and then go back because yeah. that's generally the way that I approach open world stuff. Unlock as much as possible and then uh when I've got all of the abilities be able to go back through all of the other content that I haven't done. Well, I am unlocking the abilities though because everything you do increases something and the game is so transparent about telling you like what you're getting for each thing that you're doing. So on the map, instead of just being a symbol, if you hover over that symbol, it will tell you like you're going to get a minor legend boost or a major legend boost. That's basically your experience points. Okay. But it will also tell you like this will get you closer to having a new song on your flute or this will get you a new cosmetic item or this will get you new armor. This will get you new uh, materials to upgrade your weapons. Like it tells you exactly what you get you don't even have to wander there you don't even have to like go up to it and do it to find out your reward you know ahead of time and i think that makes a huge world of difference because you never feel let down because the game is setting your expectations before you even get there so you're not getting another poncho after skimming the entire bottom of the lake exactly it is not it's not fallen order like man, when you said that that you see what it is, like that's the first thing that I caught. I thought of was all of the uh, ridiculous amounts of ponchos that we got in Jedi Fallen Order. That it was like, and I liked them. You know, I liked opening the box. I never got tired of it, but I got tired of being like, oh yeah, it's another poncho. Yeah. Where like stuff like this, do you like the cosmetic upgrades that you get in this? Yes, I have so much fun with it. I keep changing his cosmetics, and I usually don't care about that in games, but I'm enjoying it. No, that's why I asked because everything else has been so against, like counter to the way that you usually approach games. That I was wondering if the uh, if the system, the cosmetic system in this one, had drawn you in as well. It did. It's because like so many other people just don't do things well, or they like they're so close but they miss the mark because of something dumb. This game has not missed the mark at all. Like every in like. This is where I, I said, like, nothing here is 100% new. It's just that it's refined and it's polished, and they just nail the mark with exactly how the implementation of every system should be, that the entire game feels amazing. Like, I haven't felt bored in the entire time, and I've just been having a fantastic time with it. And, like, I didn't even talk about the ghost stuff yet. Like, you can be stealthy. I mean, I know I've talked about how I like stealth in games before, and there's so much fun between the combat and the stealth that I literally, it's just kind of a flip of a coin. Every time I come up to a situation, I'm like, oh, this time I'm going to be stealthy. This time I'm going to be an honorable samurai and call them out for a showdown. And I just do it on the fly. I do both ways because they're both fun. But you get all of these tools that you can use for stealth, you know, like, uh, all the things you'd expect distractions and like things that you know bombs that you can blow up and uh archery that you can like shoot from a distance stuff like that that's yeah. really cool smoke bombs things of that nature um and then there are also all these different tails so there's a lot of like one-off tails that just show up as like um a white like tail thing on your map it's it's like a story mission that's not critical basically right but then there's two ty- types of tails that aren't the main story that are really really well done so one is mythic tales and the mythic tales are like telling you legends of the world and of the island and 
if you do that, you'll go on this like multi-part, they call it tale, but it's really a quest of some kind, right? It's like a multi-step quest that will, you'll have to search, you'll have to do a little bit of thinking. It's never like really challenging your brain, um, but it will get you to a legendary item or a legendary ability. And it feels epic. It feels just as quality as the main story does. Um, Hmm. But it's a side story. But they're absolutely side stories that you should do because they've been just fantastic every time. And those are different from normal side quests that are the normal side quest story based? Um, So the normal side quests are like uh, kind of random people in the world like on the island that you're taking care of because you're one of like the lords of the island so you're responsible for everything so you're just kind of helping out random people um but there is one other type of side quest that's like ally missions and those are the other one that's definitely worth doing before you move the main story along because those feel like mass effect 2 level quality where you want to learn more about your companions just because the companions are interesting not because okay. it gets you any specific thing in game although you do get rewards for doing them but i want to know the next thing that's going to happen to my companions because the allies are so good i get that like i'm glad that the supporting cast is as interesting as everything else yeah because that's an easy ball to drop it really is so all of that just to gush over this game that I'm absolutely loving. And like I said, I did use photo mode a bunch, which I never use photo mode in games. So it's it's weird for me, too. I can't believe I'm here. Um, but I think my hot take for this one that you're going to hear people say at the end of the year, and I don't exactly agree with this, but I know it's going to come up this way. So I have to. This is my called shot right now for, you know, five months down the line when people are doing end of the year stuff. I think people are going to say at the end of the year that this is the best Assassin's Creed game that launched this year. Just to take yeah. a dig at Ubisoft and the RPG direction of the actual Assassin's Creed Valhalla that's coming out later. And I don't doubt that at all because I've already heard people say that this is their favorite Assassin's Creed game. Oh, and have you? Yeah, I've already seen people tweeting that. Like, And uh, Valhalla hasn't even come out yet. Like, it's uh, They've talked about it being their favorite Assassin's Creed game so far. And you know what? I don't... I can't even blame them for that when it is that uh, that good. I call uh, Bravely Default one of my favorite Final Fantasy games. Like it's it's yeah, a totally, totally understand that uh, with it taking that DNA that it might as well be. Um, and you know, you said the RP taking a dig at Ubisoft for the RPG direction that the series went uh, went into. Uh, I actually saw on Green Man Gaming they were running one of their uh, sales, and in the email it actually had Assassin's Creed listed under the rpg section Mm -hmm. uh it just straight up listed them as rpgs now not even an action game with rpg elements they've just started putting them in the rpg section yeah i mean the last two were basically action rpgs so that makes sense like like i was really surprised like it wasn't even so i was surprised that they actually just went ahead and just moved them over there that uh without even considering them action uh, games anymore that they've leaned too heavily in and so i thought that was that was just interesting and where you get this one that is absolutely not that uh so it's just it's just interesting to me yeah it's it's so good so if it's not obvious i love this game Um, it will, there's no way it doesn't make my top five for the year. Um, it's definitely as of right now, I mean, it's July, but it's definitely in the running for like my game of the year, uh, without a doubt. I'm also in the middle of it. So I got to finish it and then give it some space and, you know, let my hype die down a little bit and then see how I feel about it. But 
I would be amazed if this doesn't make my top five. And I also would not be surprised if it ends up being number one. So we'll see how the rest of the year goes first. But it's a real possibility. And I'm curious about this one. Once you've spent some time away from it on whether or not you will go back and play it on the PS5 with the update that they do, the cross generational thing that they're doing with this one on whether you'll play the the quote unquote upgraded version where everything runs on the different hardware. Yeah, I don't see there's not a lot that I feel like I'm missing right now. For, for the game because like right. I had friends that say oh that game looks amazing I'm gonna wait and play it on the PS5 because I don't have a PlayStation Pro and I told people I was like you don't have to like I'm playing on literally a launch edition PS4 and it looks just as good as every screenshot that I've seen like I'm sure the people who obsess over frame rate and like screen resolution and stuff they could obsess over it and find differences but when you're playing like there's no difference it it just doesn't even matter like it looks beautiful yeah i mean that's the way i am i don't really i don't really nitpick on a lot of things like that or i shouldn't even say nitpick i just mean dig in on stuff like that i don't have a 4k tv or anything where that wouldn't even be an issue so it's just like my normal ps4 is makes everything beautiful anyway so i'm fine with that yeah that's probably it for this week um you guys can write to us with suggestions comments feedback our email address is geek to geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at geek to geekcast we also have some great discussions on slack discord and reddit you can go to geek to geekmedia.com for invite links and while you're there make sure to check out all of the other content on the network like blogs video game reviews so much more I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom, that's green mushroom, without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach, that's Beach with two E's, and I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beach with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, y'all. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Comics. Movies. K-pop. Disney Plus. Keanu. Keanu Reeves. New. Or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. Keanu.